So good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. And uh, again, welcome to Worship with Trinity. Many of you know that in June, early June, Steve and I were away for a couple of weeks on a John Wesley study tour in England. It's a part of an endowed uh, experience for a small group of clergy each year or about each year from the Florida Conference. And, and Steve and I were privileged to be able to lead a group this year. Uh, Steve, not me, he's the poster on Facebook. Steve posted so much on Facebook, pictures and stories about our experience that, and many of you commented on those, that we, we were committed that when we came back we would offer a sermon series on kind of who we are as United Methodists, the best of all, the best of, of who we are, you know, because it's, it's when we learn more about our roots and where we've come from that we learn more about who we are and perhaps even about um, where we are headed. Um, and so John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist way, the Methodist movement. He was an Anglican priest in the 18th century in England and he committed himself to revitalizing, re-energizing, re-igniting the Church of England. And yet, almost accidentally, he began the Methodist movement, which became a worldwide church. So people call him the father of Methodism. And if John is the father of Methodism, then his mother, Susanna Wesley, is the mother of Methodism. This is Susanna, a portrait of her. Her name was Susanna Annesley Wesley. And I knew some about her before. I really thought I, I knew a decent bit about her, but, but I, I really focused in on, on Susanna on our trip and then since then reading and learning even more. Uh, she is a fascinating woman. She is a person of perseverance. She is a woman of significant influence and the mother of Methodism. You know, when I think about her life, and all that she experienced, a couple of scripture passages come to mind. One is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or you may know that as the scripture verse that Steph Curry wore on his uh, basketball shoes at least for a while. But that passage, I can do all things, is not I can do all things, I can succeed, I can achieve. It's I can do all things, I can endure all things. I can persevere through all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then the other scripture reading is uh, Romans 3, Romans 5 verses 3 through 5. And I invite you to follow along with me as I read these verses. And again, passages, uh, verses that you may be very familiar with and they're powerful. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. It's the word of God for the people of God, and God's people say, thanks be to God. 
And let me invite you to pause for a moment and pray with me and for me. I will pray for you that God will have a word just for you today um, through what I have to say and, and that, that you, and I invite you to pray for me um, in sharing this message with you. Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So if you had lived in the uh, village of Epworth, England, between 1700 and 1720, you would have walked by this house, this house which actually does still stand, and we were there in June. Um, you would have walked by this house, and if you'd peered into the kitchen windows, which are the windows to the right of the door, um, you would have seen Susanna Wesley in her kitchen every morning and every afternoon for several hours teaching her 10 children. They sat at a table. This is a replica of that table and the cupboard. Um, they sat at that table, and that is where she educated all of her children. And then also, depending on the time of day that you were walking, you might have peered in and seen a woman sitting with an apron thrown over her head. I'll get back to that later. Susanna was married at the age of 19 and she gave birth to seven children in seven years. Oh my. She actually, total, went on to have 19 children, including two sets of twins. Here's a list of those who survived, uh, survived past infancy. One, we don't even know the death, death date. We don't have records of that. Um, she was preceded in death by 12 of her children nine of those in infancy and three others in their adulthood. You know, in my experience as a pastor, walking with people through this, there is no experience that is worse than the death of a child, one child. And I can't imagine <clears throat> the death of 12 children. Now, I know that was more common in the 18th century than it is today, but still, imagine how heartbreaking that would be. Susanna was also from a large family. She was born in 1669 as the, wait for it, 25th of 25 children born to Mary White and Dr. Samuel Ansley. I don't know how many of those survived. 25, can you imagine? Her father was a prominent and um, well-loved, highly educated minister in, in London. And although Susanna wasn't formally educated as a daughter in the family, the sons were, and because she was the youngest, she did glean a lot of education and became quite well-read. 
And then at the age of 19, she met an aspiring young Anglican priest named Samuel Wesley, and they married. Samuel was really pretty much a failure as a priest in Epworth. He was the rector of St. Andrews, and he um, was so educated that he really couldn't relate well to the villagers in this small farming town. And he wasn't very much of a people person, and he was moralistic and and opinionated in his preaching, and so he was really just not well-liked by the people of the town. In fact, the rectory, the house where they lived, was burned down twice, and yes, they think it is likely that both times it was arson by the people in the town because they did not like Samuel Wesley. One of those times we have a picture of a painting. Um, John Wesley, they called him Little Jackie, was unable to escape the house with his parents and all of the rest of the children. And they saw him crying out from an upstairs window. And so two men, one got on the back of the other and they formed a human ladder and pulled him out of the window His brother Charles then wrote a hymn which had the phrase plucked plucked from, a brand plucked from the burning. And that became um, well known in describing the story of Wesley being saved out of this window. Samuel, uh, Susanna's husband, was also not a very easy man to live with. And very likely... Susanna was equally as stubborn as we will hear more about today. And so their relationship could be very difficult at best. Because he was not liked in his parish, he was not generously supported. And he spent many years of his life away from home working on this treatise on Job, which never accounted for very much but he wasn't earning much of a living, and so he was frequently in debt. He even went to prison for being in debt, and Susanna, the wise and strong woman that she was, went to the magistrate, Judge Toby, maybe you would grant this too, and said, um, he cannot uh, repay his debt if he's in prison, so will you please let him out of prison so that he can repay his debt? Uh, needless to say, life for Susanna was one of great suffering and hardship. She struggled in poverty. She had to try to farm this small plot of land by the rectory. She was charged with feeding and raising and educating all 10 of her children. And she became known for caring for the ministry of the people in the town and leading them when Samuel was away. Her life personified the scripture reading. Suffering produces endurance and endurance or perseverance produces character, tested character. And character produces hope, which in the end does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. As a woman whose life embodied the scripture, what are the lessons that we can learn from Susanna? First of all, 
Susanna was very organized and methodical. Methodical. Perhaps some would even say rigid. And yet she was also progressive and, um, and impactful at the same time. Susanna is known for her 16 rules for raising children. Some of those sound incredibly harsh to us today. Uh, and some of, us, some of them sound like pretty good parenting. And then others are really pretty progressive for her time. So let me share some of these with you. Um, number one, eating between meals is not allowed. Well, but she was trying to feed 10 children and have enough food for them. And so maybe that was necessary. As children, they were to be in bed by 8 o'clock. That sounds good. They are required to take medicine without complaining. Subdue self-will in a child and those working together to save the child's soul. Well, we tend to give kids a few more choices these days. Teach a child to pray as soon as he or she can speak. Beautiful. Require all to be still during family worship. Ten children still? Okay. Um, teach children to fear the rod. We wouldn't do that today. Give them nothing that they cry for and only what they ask for politely. We've all said that. Don't whine. Ask me for what you need. Never allow a sinful act to go unpunished. Never punish a child twice for a single offense. To prevent lying, punish no fault which is confessed or repented of. Preserve property rights even in the smallest matters. And then some that were maybe more progressive and others might not have done this at the time. Comment and reward good behavior. Attempt to please, any attempt to please, even if poorly performed, should be commended. Strictly observe all promises. And then finally, and this is one of my very favorites, require no daughter to work before she can read well. Now, let me give you a little bit more background. It was customary for the boys to learn to read and do math and do their academics while the work of the girls was the domestic work to learn needlework and sewing and cooking. And only after they had completed that work were they allowed to engage in any academic learning. But Susanna was ahead of her time. And in explaining this rule, she said, for putting the children to learn sewing, she meant the girls, for putting the girls to learn sewing before they can read perfectly is the very reason why so few women can read fit to be heard and never to be well understood. So she got it, that we need to learn to read. We need to learn to read first and then do the work. She was certainly very compulsive, methodical in how she raised and educated her children, yet she was also progressive in some ways, especially with her daughters. Her methods, we might say, also largely impacted her sons. It's not surprising that while at Oxford, her sons, Charles and John, formed societies and classes 
And because they were so methodical, remember derogatorily they were called the Methodists, um, that um, methodicalness may have in large part um, been one of the reasons that, the, um, that their ways spread like wildfire and ignited an entire new movement. Susanna, secondly, was also fiercely independent and very committed to her marriage. There's a well-known account of Susanna and Samuel getting into an argument about politics. Now, I'm not a student of English uh, history or British history, but um, they were both Tories, and yet Susanna, it seems, was a Jacobite, whereas Samuel accepted the offer of the throne to William and Mary. And so they had a big rift about this when William was given the throne. And that night, Samuel was praying for the king, and Susanna refused to say amen at the end of the prayer. Now, this led her husband Samuel to say that he would never share a bed with her again until she said amen. So, shortly, Samuel went to London and was engaged in writing that treatise on Job and was gone for many months until King William died and then he came home because Susanna would finally say amen. And when he got home, well, John Wesley was born nine months later. About 10 years later, Samuel again was away for a period of time and he left his curate to preach. But Susanna thought that the curate's sermons were less than to be desired. They were wanting. And so she started to preach on Sunday afternoons in her kitchen, first to her own children and the servants and their children. And then neighbors started to come and then they were standing outside the windows. And then the crowd gathered uh, and grew to about 200 people. And so they moved to another venue. Well, the curate found out about this and he was not pleased. So he wrote to Samuel, who was still away, asking him to... Um, to tell his wife to refrain from preaching. She wrote back a handwritten letter to Samuel and told him, this is the letter, told him that this is what she thought God wanted her to do, but she would stop only if Samuel commanded her to do so. Now, now let me read you what she actually says. She's very savvy. If you do, after all, Think it fit to dissolve this assembly. Do not tell me that you desire me to do it, for that will not satisfy my conscience. But send me your positive command, and in such full and express terms that it may absolve me from all guilt and punishment for neglecting the opportunity to do good when you and I shall appear before the great and awful tribunal of our Lord Jesus Christ. Samuel didn't say anything else about it. <laughs> Finally, and most importantly, what we can learn from Susanna 
is that she was deeply devoted. She was a deeply devoted follower of Jesus Christ. I have no doubt that it, that it is her faith that sustained her as she endured all of the suffering and the hardship that she did. We might wonder how she made time to grow in her faith with those 10 children and all that she had to do to farm and to feed and to educate and to raise the children as well as uh, caring for and, and pastoring the people of the town. But remember what I said earlier, that sometimes you might walk by those windows and see a woman with an apron thrown over her head? Well, apparently, Susanna was known for spending two hours a day in the kitchen with her children with an apron thrown over her head. It must have kind of been like Harry Potter's cloak of invisibility because when she threw the apron over her head, her children from the youngest to the oldest, the servants, anyone who was there knew not to disturb her at all. That was her time when she was in prayer and she was studying the scripture. She was in prayer for her husband, for each one of her children, for all of those in the community. And she was gaining guidance and insight from scripture. In addition to that, she would spend an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening in the primary bedroom in a chair before the kids got up, I guess, and after the kids went to bed. And she would spend an hour in study there as well. In fact, she vowed early in her life that she would never spend more time in leisure activity than she would in prayer and study. Oh my. So she spent that hour uh, learning and studying. And in the evening, she brought one of the children individually into her room each night and spent an hour in the evening with a different child every night of the week. Again, um, teaching that child about God and praying with that child. In fact, as she was older and even um, uh, spending much time in bed, it's known that her children, particularly Charles and John, would come to her and sit with her on the edge of the bed. And when they had a matter that was of great concern or importance, they would ask her to pray with them and for them. You know, one of the other things about Susanna is that with all of her methodology, with all of her compulsion, with all of her organization, it likely was easy for her to feel like she was trying to earn her faith. And yet we know a story that about two years before she died, Charles and John were writing and said that Susanna had an experience when she went to church when um, they say she gave up the uh, dark of her legal night, meaning that she somehow realized, um, perhaps for the first time, or it really sunk into her, that there was absolutely nothing that she could do to earn God's love, 
But in fact, through Jesus Christ, she was loved, not for what she did, but simply for who she was. That's another lesson that we can be reminded of again and again. So Susanna's life was one of struggle, of suffering, but suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces true character and character produces hope. And through her influence and her education and her spiritual practice came two sons as well as all of her daughters, but two sons who led an awakening and began a movement that would fill a void in the spiritual life of a nation and begin a worldwide church. No doubt with the love of God poured into her heart through the power of the Holy Spirit, Susanna truly is the mother of Methodism. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Oh God, no doubt each person here in this space worshiping with us today, worshiping online, has experienced suffering in their life. Each of us has experienced suffering and hardship. And yet we know that you are with us through it all. And that you can take that suffering and use it for good. Because through suffering, we are able to persevere. And through perseverance, we're we're able to develop character and strength. And through character, we receive hope, knowing that you have poured love into our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. So strengthen us now, O oh God, to know that we are yours, that we are loved, that we are loved not because of anything we do, but because of simply who we are. We are your children, O oh God. So fill us again with your love and strengthen us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.